known Luke and Carol for many, many years. Uh, they were always with the cool cats. And then uh, I was from Durban. <laughs> and now from PE, so I was winning. And then they moved to Cape Town, and then I immediately was losing because they were in Cape Town. Um, and I'm just. I'm, hmm? He is grace. It's grace. Okay, so I'm, I am putting a timer on. So yes, you guys uh, had the, the, I don't know what it was, pleasure or displeasure of enc- encountering my parents. And um, yeah, you had them for a weekend, I've had them for 32 years. So, so you guys can find me after that and tell me what you think about them. But, uh, and actually, Brett is, uh, we call him mockingly Bishop. Uh, uh, the bish, he is actually in worship this morning for the first time in a very, very long time. Um, so I've just actually seen a whole bunch of videos come through, so maybe I'll, you want to laugh. Um, one of the things that I am wanting to unpack with you this morning is the thing of identity. I want to tell my story a bit um, and then kind of just weave in and out of this kind of thing of identity. Uh, in 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 Genesis 1, 28, 27 and 28, we see this quite incredible thing uh, that happens when uh, God says, let us create them in our image. So straight away, there's identity there. Image equals identity. Image of God. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And we like to sit there in the subject of identity because Identity is the thing, it's the word, it's, we're all talking about it. There's a whole bunch of people confused about it all over the world at the moment. But it's identity and uh, that's it. But then he says, then it says, then God blesses them and says, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And, and that is something that has, there's been a disconnect. There's a disconnect, there has been a disconnect between these two little passages of scripture. So I just want to say, the first thing I want to say this morning is identity and destiny are interwoven and linked. You're, you, you can't have a destiny without an identity and you can't have identity without a destiny. And so often we just sit on the one, one side of the fence. And so that's kind of what, what I'm going to be hitting this morning is this thing of relationship between identity and the destiny that comes with the identity of the image bearer. And I want to tell you a little bit about me first. I, um, you met my folks, pastor's kid, Great family. Um, my mom and dad are a really good mom and dad. I have, uh, unfortunately, it's it's not the popular story anymore, in the sense that it's not common. Uh, great folks, great parents, good marriage, awesome model of, of what a marriage should be like. Um, but then I went to school, and and kids found out I was a pastor's kid, and then so I kind of this issue started to become prevalent in my life. I started to uh, encounter this expectation on me. I'm a pastor's kid. You have to act a certain way and behave a certain way. And uh, so then life happened a bit and I, I was at school and and uh, I, I did fairly okay at school. And then in, when I was in grade five, I was, it was one night, I was, I was actually asleep and I woke up to the sound of my mom uh, vomiting. Quite, quite dramatically and aggressively uh, and uh, knew something was wrong 
And for about three to four months, I had no idea that my mom was on the verge of death. Just on the verge of death. In fact, she actually died for two minutes. And then she got up there and he said, and the Lord said, we're not ready for you. And he sent her straight back down. And, uh, and so I went to go visit her. I didn't realize it was possibly the last time I was going to see her. My dad was quite cool and sheltering me at that young age to what was happening. And I walked into the hospital room and I was expecting to see that Grey's Anatomy picture of, you know, they've got that really nice thin oxygen tube. And there's no, it was like death. I just remember seeing this as death. I turned around and I ran out. And, 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 and that was a defining point in my life. Almost losing a parent and not understanding what happened. And then I started to encounter these guys. I don't know if you've encountered them. Um, bullies at school, you know. Uh, then I, I went through a stage where I was really hectically bullied. And uh, that started to define me. And then I loved Jesus and... I knew that Jesus loved me and my high school career was, was a combination of these incredible times with Jesus and these incredible times with uh, the other guy and uh, with mates and, and uh, uh, getting involved in not hectic stuff but just not really walking the walk that I should have been walking. In. And then kind of near the end of my high school career I encountered this guy, his name was Mark, he's, he's this big fat Greek guy from England. And, and uh, he heads up this thing called Soul Survivor. And he had come to our house and he left a little book, a little note on my bed. Thanks, couldn't see you, but uh, would love to hang out with you. And, and I thought, oh, that's quite cool, this guy. He wrote me a note. It's nice. And uh, met him and he invited me to spend a year with him. So I went and spent a year, 2009. So I've done university. I've, I've uh, had, was leading stuff on campus with a whole bunch of really cool we used to, they used, we used to, we, were, they were, we operated. It was like operate, operation would happen, you know, like, you know, you'd walk into the room and then did like levitation, you know, like, so the egos were great and the, the arrogance was high and the uh, expectation on ourselves was, was pretty, was pretty big and I look back and I'm very embarrassed. Um, uh, but we were young. And so I kind of was this crew. And we would roam, and we were this crew, and we were and we were well known, and we did stuff. And in fact, one of the crew, she's she 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 she's working with Bill Johnson. She's a pastor there. So it was like a talented group of young guys. Like she's working at Bethel, and it's, it's, it's it was an incredible talented group of young guys. But it defined me. It was something that defined me. And then in my third service at Soul Survivor in London, I was part of Mike's team, and I was at the back. And you know, um, when you're sitting in the congregation, and 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 the the person preaching is making eye contact with you, you know? And actually, um, sometimes it's just a strategy, you know? So everybody feels like they're being spoken to. But for me, I was like, he's talking to me. He's just talking to me. And then he came up to me afterwards and he said, Matt, how are you doing? And I just, I broke. I just broke down. And he just said to me, it's taken three Sundays um, for God to finally get hold of you, to finally start to work in your life. He said, Matt, you've been defined by life. Not necessarily the worst of lives, but you've been defined by it nonetheless. And God now wants to get hold of you and to break you down so He can mold you back into the man He created you to be. And so for three months I walked around with no identity, nothing. Everything that I was passionate about, everything that I, I loved about life was, was, was gone. And so this little kind of mantra stuck with me in that stage of my life. We have to give up what the world sees in us to take on what God has in store for us. 
this exchange of identity, the old man and the new man, this exchange. You see, Jesus didn't come to, 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 to fix us. He didn't come to uh, work on us like a broken down car and to re- reduce. He actually came to, to kill us on the cross with him. Our old selves in, in, in Romans talks about that. And then new identity. He doesn't come to, you know, make a few changes to the old identity. He comes to give us a brand new identity. The new creation. The new creation life. And so that was kind of this process. And so, uh, for me, giving up what the world sees in me to take on what God has in store for me. And it was this kind of caught in between these two worlds. And then finally understanding, actually, this is what God has for me. And I'm there. I'm there. I'm, I'm breathing because He's... He's king and I'm not. And he likes it that way. I, I do what I do because he's given me stuff. Not because I'm good at it. Not because I'm naturally good at it. Because he's graciously given stuff to me. And so that was this, this part of my life. And so, when, and so then in Luke 19, you, you encounter this incredible moment where Zacchaeus is hiding up a tree. Um, and I don't know if you've ever noticed. Uh, he was up the tree. I don't know if you've got mates. And someone's famous and you all wanted to go and see the famous person. Your mates are going to make room for you in the crowd. He was up the tree because no one liked him. He was up the tree because no one was making room for him in the crowd. He was short. You're going to let your short mate get to the front, aren't you? When there's someone famous. No one was friends with this guy. In fact, when they talk about him, they talk about him as the notorious sinner. He wasn't known as Zacchaeus to his little community. I mean, he had earned it. I mean, he was a bit of a chop, but he, 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 he nonetheless still wanted to see this Jesus guy. So he climbs up the tree. Jesus comes down. And it's interesting. Jesus calls him Zacchaeus. He doesn't call him the notorious sinner that everybody refers to him as. And Zacchaeus means purity. I don't know if you knew that. Zacchaeus means purity. And so actually, to everybody else, the notorious sinner, he was corruption. He was, he was theft. He was... Uh, Political, you know, we, we, we know, we understand that vibe. We understand that. We, we have good context for that kind of person. And Jesus says, purity come down. Jesus saw the man he created, not the man that the world had defined. And he called him. He called purity down. He said, purity, you come down here. I'm coming to eat at your house today. And no one could understand that. They still called him the notorious sinner. So his identity was purity, but his destiny was generosity. Because he basically gave away all his money. And you see, that's the thing that we battle with. We battle with the destiny side of things. Sometimes we get the identity. We've got great songs, good theology about identity. But how do I walk my life knowing who I am? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we start to encounter our, our humanity. And, and our, our trying to get through this, this life. So Abram was an old man. Couldn't have kids. Abraham was the father of many nations. Moses was a stuttering royal murderer. Moses was the salvation for Israel. David was an adulterous murderer. David was a great king. Rahab was the prostitute. Rahab was a hero. Zacchaeus was a short, sinful, corrupt little tax collector. Zacchaeus was pure and redeemed and generous. Saul was a murderous Christian hater. Paul was the greatest of apostles. The common denominator was Jesus stood at their tree and called them not by what the world had labeled them as, but at the people that he had created them for. And friends, that's what we've got to understand. That's what we've got to grasp in 21st century living in metropolitan urban environments. We've got to understand that there is an identity that Jesus is constantly calling us 
too. And as a result of that, there's a destiny that we've got to walk. We've got to walk out. You see, the grace that finds us where we are is not content to leave us as we are. The grace that finds us where we are is not content to leave us as we are. See, we have the saying, this, this, there's this vineyard saying, you know, come as you are. Come as you are. And we, and we use it, eh? All the, all the churches with all the cool, cool kids and, you know, and, and all the churches with all the acceptance and all of the, the not-so-conservative vibes to them. Come as you are. But what we forget to do is add the comrade and say, but don't stay as you are. Because Jesus calls us to an identity that results in a destiny of walking, of walking it out. Our destiny is new creation living. New creation life is like a second language. So I want to just, just stop here for a bit. I want to talk about what it means to have a second language. Um, and a little bit about our mother tongue. Okay? So your mother tongue is normally something you know. It's a language that you know. You've probably never reflected as to how you've learned your mother tongue. As little humans, we are built up. We build up highly complex uh, networks, habits, mental, physical, and all of these things manifest in the multiple ways in different life situations. Early stage of life, there's an enormous amount of grammar and syntax and vocab. It's being assimilated all the time. Habits are formed. Patterns are laid down. Neuro pathways are, are, are established in our brains becomes natural to the point where when we talk, we don't think about what we say or how we say it, or the building blocks that allow us to speak this way. Normally, we don't think about the words, we think about the subject. That's our first language. We don't think about the glasses that we wear, but rather we think about what we see through the glasses. But then when it comes to second language, now I was useless, eh? I'm Durban, English, knee Afrikaans, knee, okay? That's it. That's all I've got. And this is a much more complex process. We are no longer in the biological, natural, developmental stage of our brains. This is no longer a natural process. I want to learn Italian. So we have to now learn all the syntax, all the grammar and the vocab. And when we learn the structure of the sentences and we master the little nuances and the metaphors, it's really hard, but it's worth achieving. And it's a goal of of getting to that point where someone will finally say they can't tell the difference between you or the local of the language you're trying to learn. Remember, it's not, it's not natural to get there, but we can work at it. That's, for me, our destiny. Our, our, our identity is given straight. Our destiny, we've got to walk at. We've got to make those choices. We've got to be faithful with the things that God has put in our hands. We want to be at home in the place where this language is spoken, where we can read and appreciate the local newspapers and the poems and order the croissant in the right language. Uh, we want to acquire, and acquiring these habits is, is what is this process that we go through. The greatest compliment is that you mistake them for a local. That's, like the, that's the best deal when you're learning this language. See, new creation life, this destiny that we live, requires us to learn a second language because we are born into this world as sin, sinners. We're born into that. And so we've got to learn the second language once we've been given this new identity. And our goal is to learn it. So we don't wait to heaven to get to speak this language. We don't have to wait to speak this language when we get to heaven. We spend our lives on earth speaking it, to announcing it to those around us. 
We, become, we don't become fluent overnight. We know that. It's a process. It's our task. And this is why we need to be strong and immovable in these moments. We have to, and we are strong and immovable by knowing who we are. Our identity is secured immediately in Jesus. We walk out our destiny daily. Day, day in and day out. Heaven is important, but heaven is not the end of the world. The New Testament is not terribly interested in people going to heaven. It's very interested in the life of heaven coming down to earth through you. And our identity for too long has been waiting room as a nice person for heaven. As opposed to having the authority and actually the audacity of calling the life of heaven down onto this earth. And, and we do it naturally. Naturally. It's part of who we are. Our identity becomes natural. We, we reach a point, that second language, where we no longer have to think about it. We no longer have to prepare for it. It just, it, 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 it is second nature. But that doesn't mean that there's not some work to get there. In 2009, a guy called Captain Chelsea Chesley Sully landed an Airbus A320-214 New York's freezing Hudson River following a bird strike which induced to the loss of power in both engines. Now, I am petrified of flying. Sweaty palms, Nixon James, landing takeoff. Doesn't matter what I've taken or what I've smoked or whatever it is to calm me down to get onto the plane. The hands are sweaty and I'm petrified. So I like plane stories that kind of educate myself to conquer my fear. So let, let me just explain to you what happened in this incredible moment. All 155 passengers and crew survived. Flight 1549 just was a little bit more rocky than usual. So in two to three minutes, this is what Sully and his team had to do. He had to shut down the engines. Okay? He had to set the right speed to allow the plane to glide. The nose needed to be kept down, but not too down for a dive, but not too shallow for a stall. Disconnect autopilot. Override the flight management system. Activate the ditch system, which is to close the vents so that the water doesn't enter the plane. Glide the plane with a fast left turn so that the plane was facing south, so when it landed, it landed with the flow of the river. Straighten the plane, lift the nose back up, just a small matter of then landing 60 tons of metal with humans inside on moving water. And he did it in two to three minutes. Everything he had learned in his life, all of the preparation, everything that he had invested in, allowed him for two to three minutes, second nature kicked in. He didn't think about it. All the interviews, it just happened. He just did it. Everything that he had worked up until that moment allowed him to calmly, succinctly, and cleverly, strategically land this plane an impossible task. We've seen in the last couple of months how impossible that task actually is when something goes wrong in a plane. And he did it. Now friends, that is what our walk with Jesus needs to be like. So second nature, we're not thinking about it. So second nature that we are so prepared for the moments, all the investment, so that when the moment comes, and when we are encountering the sick and the poor, that we can be like Jesus in those moments. And so how does this happen? How does this identity that we so desperately long for happen in our lives? 
So we can go and read all the theological manuals and we can go to all the lectures we want and they will unpack Romans excellently and they will explain to you how you died on the cross and Jesus was like, I don't like where you like, so I'm going to kill you with me on the cross and then we're going to start again and we're going to run out the grave and all the theological implications of that. But for me, the most beautiful picture of this entire process of this identity that gets given to us is in John 20, 22. Okay. It's the most beautiful thing. I've read John many times, and for some reason, just reading it, I mean, clearly I don't know where it is at the moment. Matthew, not Luke, and John. Okay, cool. John 2022. Now, this is in the part of Jesus' life where he's now returned. He's scared that the Jesus out of them, like they didn't expect him to walk into the room. He's walked through the wall, so he's in his resurrected state. He's in, his, in the perfection that Paul talks about in the letters. And then it says this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. They were scared. And the, they were scared of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. So he just appeared. He just appeared. So I think they left out once uh, they had gathered themselves. Jesus said, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hands and on his sides. So that wasn't enough. That he had appeared for them. So I love that picture. So he still was gracious enough to look like, guys, he has the proof. My, my teleportation device obviously is not good enough for you guys. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So I'm sending you. Then he says this. Then it says this. Then he breathed on them. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, we, for me, I'm going to talk on my behalf here. That breath of life for me was Genesis. That was the only time I thought about the breath of life. When he breathed his spirit into the dust. And creation happened. And humanity happened in that moment. But here is Jesus. Post-resurrection. Pre-ascension. And he's with his mates in the room. And, and he's imperfect. He's imperfect. He's in perfection now. He is in the in, in the state of the perfect humanity. He is the new Adam, the new creation. He's the true human at that point. And he looks at them, and he could have left them with all sorts of instructions and theological implications, and this is how you do it. But he, no, no, what did he do? He just breathed on them. And it was that same breath, friends, that was at the very beginning. It was that same breath that breathed life into these guys' lungs. It was this new identity, this new creation. He breathed it. They had it now, life through the Spirit. He said, receive my Holy Spirit. This is what's going to help you. The identity I secured, it was, a, it was, a, was an average three days for me, guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, my dad turned away from me. Like, it wasn't cool, but I got through that. Those three days are over now. And, and I want to breathe this into you. And I want you to know that your identity is secure in me. Your identity is sorted. It's done. It's dusted. Done and dusted. Sorted. But the destiny you need to walk out, you're going to need this Holy Spirit. I'm going to breathe into you now. Receive my breath. The same breath that left the lungs of Jesus. I am convinced it's the same breath that entered into Adam's lungs at the very beginning. And that, friends, has rocked me. The last couple of weeks, I've just been sitting on this verse and going, you know, Jesus, you are so sneaky. You are so sneaky in how you did this. Tucked away in all of the incredible end of your story, there you took everybody back to the very beginning. To the very beginning. And so, you know, we can, we can live our lives 
we can uh, know who we are, but if we don't have the Holy Spirit to walk this walk with us, then there's no point in knowing who we are. There's really no point. It's really cool to be, you know, one with whatever. But we can't go and do something with that. That becomes the thing. And so that's just what I wanted to, what I wanted to leave with you this morning is don't allow the world to define you. Allow God's plan, His creation, new creation plan to, to flow up from that breath that He breathed that day. And, and ask Him to breathe in, into you. And so, just to, just to kind of wrap up, because I'm on 23 minutes, Kel, so I'm done now. I'm done, I promise. I promise I'm done. Very good. Very, very, very good. Trying to, trying to be efficient here. 26, thanks, man. Thanks, man. So kind of you. Just like Captain Sully landed that plane. And then just like all the great people, men and women that you read in history, that did great things for God. I promise you now, it wasn't something that they sat there going, this is what I'm going to do. They just, day in and day out, they walked with Jesus. They knew His words. They understood that their destiny came out of a solid identity in Jesus. And then when the moment happened, and when the revival started, and when they started riding horses in England, and when they started uh, crazy prayer meetings and streets all over the world, and the Toronto, and all these types, when all of that stuff happened, in those moments, in those moments, nothing's thought about. They just stop being who they are. And they're able to be who they are because they allowed the breath of God to seep through their innermost being. They allowed it. And so I want to say to you guys, to, to you, Signal Church, like, this is, this is an incredible, incredible city that you are in. And this is a city that, just like any other city in the world, people need to know, they need to know first and foremost who they were created to be. And I think if we can get that, we can truly grasp that. Give up what the world sees in us to take on what God has in store for us. As, as, as a group of people, what we do is we get to stand at the sycamore trees of people's lives. And through living prophetically, we, we get to call people out to the creation plan, the story that God had, had created them for. We get to be a part of that because Jesus said we could do that. He said we could do even greater things than, than what He did. We get to do that. So I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you in this, in this kind of, this area of just living that naturally supernatural life, second nature, but never letting go of the work required for the destiny. But don't get caught up in the work for the identity because that's sorted and that's where religion happens and that's where it gets uh, scary and toxic. So can I pray for you? Can I pray for you guys this morning? Father, we just invite your presence here. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I, I want to just thank you that my identity and my destiny are in your hands. And I want to say I'm sorry for getting in the way of the destiny part, Lord. 
I ask, Father, that you just come and you, you wreck me. You just wreck me, Father, with your destiny for my life. And I just, I just, Holy Spirit, fall in this place right now. During worship, I had a picture of uh, a little bit of a graphic one, but someone's like a body, uh, like a face, and then the lips had been sewn shut. The lips had been sewn shut. And I just felt that there's someone here this morning, or maybe a few people here this morning, that you feel like life has sewn your lips shut. Your ability to proclaim to believe in what you proclaim, the whole process of what it means. Life is sewn and shut. And I feel like God wants to sort that this morning for you. And I feel like there's someone here who has done really well with their walk with Jesus in their room, quietly. And I feel like Jesus is saying to you this morning, enough of, this is not, and this is not a, this is an encouragement, it's not a heavy thing. Enough of your quiet Christianity. I want to start to hear you shouting my name on the streets. That's my story. I, I wish I had shout, I wish I could shout more about Jesus. Be more noisy for him. So just those two things. Quiet, quiet you, you want to kind of shift from this kind of quiet, personalized Christianity into this others first, loud. And then if, you're, if you feel like your lips have been sewn shut by life, God, I feel like God really wants to meet with you this morning and, and, and to deal with that and to breathe life from, in, from the inside. So I don't know how we do that. If, if, that's, if that's you, our eyes are closed. This, I'm saying all the right, this is a safe space, your eyes are closed. Um, but if any of that is, is, is relevant to you, then I, I, we would love to just pray with you. Um, yeah, if we stand, there we go, there we go. We just all stand. And I just want to say this again. The, the, Jesus wasn't interested, terribly interested. He wasn't terribly interested in people going to heaven. He was very interested in the life of heaven coming to earth through you. And that's radical. And so if any of those words that I said this morning pertinent to you, then come to the front or however you do it, we'd love to just come and pray with you. Um, so Father, I just, I just speak your life right now into this place. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you here, Jesus. We invite you here, Father. So yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm going to come and pray for you. And I'm going to give the mic to come. That was good, man. I feel like it's, it's timely for lots of us. Come Holy Spirit, we, we all just rush off. So I think it would be cool to get a touch from, from Matt if you want to, you know, that the, 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 the glory is increased when you get it from the person who preached. So, 
some of you need to come and let Matt pray for you, but for the rest of you, just as we're standing there, Greg's going to make some nice mood there. So welcome you Holy Spirit. We don't want to miss a moment. We might speak something to each one of our hearts. And we're so grateful that you're here with us. You're doing something you're never not speaking, that breath, life right now. So welcome you. And I pray also for some healing that needs to happen, some physical healing. I sense that God wants to bring some physical healing. So I'd love to pray for anyone who has a physical healing need. I'll also stand here on the side and come up to me if you can get you. Yeah, let your presence just, just overwhelm us for a couple of minutes, Holy Spirit. Just overwhelm us right now. Just come. Just overwhelm us with your presence. We want to be aware of you. We don't want to rush off. Just come and speak. Come and do what you do. Move among us. We love to be with you. We miss your presence when we're not together like this. So come and be amongst us right now, Holy Spirit. Yeah. If any of the stuff that's been asked to pray for is not what's going on for you this morning, just stay and just stand there where you are. Just say, Father, you know, this has been so good to just be with you right now. And, and you know what's going on with, with, with the Father and your relationship. Just take a moment, begin to speak, begin to come to really want to strongly keep encouraging everyone to actually say words. Don't just think thoughts, speak things out because they begin to become bricks, they, they get more solid. So as you stand there and you're just beginning to drink of His presence and hearing His voice, just respond with words. Just even just whisper them out and speak them out. Just thank you, Father, for that you're doing this. Thank you, Father, that you're doing that. I'd love to be with you in this way. That you move over that person's life. That you shift this thing. And I'm grateful that you're doing this thing. I'm grateful for what I see happening over there. For the word you've spoken to me here. For what I read in the word this morning. Whatever's going on, and just begin to speak and, and have a vocal relationship with the Father.
maybe for some of us it just means we need to let go of something or we need to actually go to someone and ask for forgiveness for things that we've said or done or ways that we've acted that are in line with the way that we've thought about things but it's not in line with the destiny of a gracious, generous, pure Son and Daughter. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just begin to breathe life into every area of our hearts now.